found the Winding Road Podcast, hosted by Jason and Isaac. We're two friends who are sitting in the driveway just chatting about cars over some drinks, while two of our favorite cars are sitting behind us shining in the sun. We never know where the conversation will go, but we hope you join us. Happy Monday. Welcome back, everyone. Episode 15. Uh, Jason and Isaac back with you talking everything we can think about car-related. Uh, what's on your mind tonight, Jason? Anything top of the mind? I'm going to start out with my car sightings of the week. So I, I ran into a Rolls Royce Wraith. Oh, nice. Which is pretty cool. Something that I really, you know, you don't really see often. That's the um, two-door, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I think Those they're are, suicide doors. I think you're right. Yeah. They're pretty cool doors. Big. They're big, though. I mean, they're huge. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, so that was really cool. An interesting sighting, something that you don't see every day. What color was it? It was blue. Like a dark like a, blue? Like a dark blue, yeah. Yeah, like uh, like a little bit darker than mine. Yes. Yeah. There was, um, I guess, I think it's a Rolls-Royce drop head. Okay. Uh, uh, it's a convertible. And I think it's, I think it's similar to the design of the Wraith, if I'm not mistaken. And they have... I've seen them, well, not in person, but I've seen them be like, almost like an electric bluish, like a light blue color. Huh. Okay. And that's a that's a really cool looking color. Um, Have you ever seen not, one of those with the top down? No. Well, not no. not in person. Right. They mm-hmm. have they have like no, I have not. They have like a teak wood uh, cover for the top. Yeah. yeah. It's supposed to look like a yacht mm-hmm. uh, on the back of your car, and like nothing says obnoxious luxury like having teak wood to cover up your right. convertible top <laughs> right of course 100 percent. good looking cars that's for sure the other thing that i uh, actually had to look it up because i'd never seen one before um it was a mercedes-benz eqs 450 yeah they're pretty new i think and i'm from what i read it's electric yep full electric it's supposed to be their electric version of their s-class okay they actually that was a nice looking car they're they're okay i mean i think it probably is is personal like mm. um as far as the styling i was actually talking to about that to someone today uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, one of my uh clients at work mentioned it because she's looking to get into the electric cars and she's mm. tossing up a couple of ideas um she mentioned that she didn't like the styling of that car um but she's also she was looking at a rivian and audi and bmw and the Mercedes. Uh, so she's not really sure what she wants to do yet, but uh, I don't know if you, have you seen pictures of the interior at all? No, no. So that is one solid piece of glass, the whole dash. Okay. So on the interior of that, you know how there's cars that have like the digital gauges? Yeah. So there's that. And then it also has the, you know, the, obviously the digital screen in the center. Mm-hmm. And then I think there's a screen on the passenger side. Mm. And it's one solid piece of glass from basically where the driver's side vent is by the door. Uh, so like by the in front of the tur- signal stock is one solid piece of glass across the gauges, across the center screen and across the passenger side screen. One piece of glass the whole way across. Jeez, imagine the replacement cost on that when something goes on it. When I saw that in a, in a review video the other week, that was my first thought. Being, <laughs> being in the service department, at a car yeah. dealership my first thought yeah. was as soon as that goes yeah. that glass that mean because like if we have to replace 
like the display panel, it's whatever that screen is there. If one right. of those displays goes, unless it's like attached to the back of this piece of glass, the whole thing's getting replaced. Yeah. And I can only imagine that's an $8,000 piece of glass. Probably. Between the three screens and the glass and everything, that's all I could think about. Yeah, that's exactly what I was just, I haven't even seen it yet, but I'm just, you know, listening to what you said. Yeah. Good luck having one of those outside of warranty. Yeah, exactly. Like, there will probably be some that, you know, fail, obviously, within warranty. But, yeah, what if you're the third owner and the car is 10 years old? Yeah. And, you know, this, the one screen fails. You're buying yeah. a whole dashboard. <laughs> yeah. Or, you, or you'll be the guy driving around going half it working. Yeah. Like, I well, saw a... The, uh, what if the gauges is the part doesn't work? True. Well, yeah, you need that one. That's true. <laughs> I, I um, kind of sort of on the same lines as that. The other day, on my commute home from work, I, it was like an older S-Class. I want to say like early 2000s. And I don't know what the suspension setup is on those. They must have air shocks or something. Because the front, the two front shocks were just completely blown out. And the mm -hmm. car was almost scraping the bottom. And then the rear was all like you know super rotten, raised up. Right. And clearly, this was somebody who, you know, bought this car and probably can't afford to maintain it and is just driving as much as you know as long as they can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the thing about when you get some of those cars with some of the some features as they get older. Like I mean, we've talked about it before. Yeah. You get and you get an expensive car and. When stuff fails, it's expensive to replace it. Yeah. And usually by the time the third or fourth owner comes around, they're buying it for cheap and they can afford, quote, the car. You know, the maintenance or the repairs is just something you can't really foresee. Are they still doing um, air riding vehicles? Because I know that in the late 90s, that was a thing. That's becoming more cars. common. Is it? Yeah. See, that's, that, that worries me because all the rubber parts and stuff that will deteriorate over time and won't hold air. I know yeah. a lot of people, a lot of people who had air ride cars from the factory would swap them out to like, coilovers, you know, once things would start to die on them. Some of the older stuff you can do that with. Um, like my sister had a, a Buick Rainier like mm -hmm. 10 years ago. Uh, which was a sister car to like the, the Envoy and the Trailblazer and um, those kind of cars. And hers came with Air Ride. And I know she had to replace a few different pieces of that system because mm -hmm. um, it would it would just start sagging. But she only had it in the rear as far as I remember. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, it's pretty common for, you know, you could have the compressor go or you could have a relay go or you could get a small leak in one of the airbags. And then, so you've got, you know, one corner is low, right lower than the rest of them. Um, and then it just kind of, is it, is it a, like a, a trickle down effect? Like if you have an airbag that's got a leak in it, your compressor is going to be working hard pretty much all the time to try to keep that inflated. Yeah. And so then you overheat the compressor and then you kill the compressor and you kill the relay because it's constantly flipping back and forth. And, by then, before you know it, you're, you know, you got to replace at least an airbag and then a compressor and a relay, you know, and that all adds up. Are those, <clears throat> what was the, I guess, allure of those, uh, I guess, ride quality? Yeah, you have, there's a lot of benefits to it. I mean, it's, they came around before like Magna Ride was a, really a thing. 
Mm-hmm. And so you can adjust the ride based on how high of pressure you're running the bag. It's almost like tire pressure. You can, if you've ever ridden a bicycle with, with a low tire pressure, it like mm-hmm. softer and it, you know, rides a different way. And then if you firm it up, mm-hmm. it, it rides a lot firmer, um, but you have more control. And so air ride is kind of the same type of effect. You can, you can do a lot of stuff with it. Like there are a lot of cars that are using it that alter the ride height. Okay. So like, uh, for example, because I know from working with them, the Audi SUVs, you know, you can set it to an off-road mode, which will lift the car a little bit and you can set Uh it to, um, dynamic, which will lower the car a little bit. Um, and anywhere in between, you know, so you can use it for various things like that. They, they, they have air ride on them. Like, um, yeah. that, like really? Yeah. So like the SQ fives, it's an option. The A sevens and A eights, um, some models or most models have it. Uh, you know, the Q eights, the Q sevens, um, Interesting. most of the, most of the upper level ones <clears throat> have it either standard or as an option. And then on mm-hmm. some of the mid-level cars, it's an option. Interesting. You know, we're talking about technology and things like that. Um, I think something that's going on a lot more these days is like start stop technology, you know, where our car will shut off at, at a red light and try and conserve fuel. And I noticed a car in front of me the other day had that on it and it was getting ready to leave from, from a stop. And, and I could, you know, when you start a car and the headlights are on and the lights kind of dim a little bit. So that happened, and and you huh. know, obviously the car was starting up again, and you could tell the lights kind of dim so it could start back up. But what I started thinking about is, I'm wondering the effect like on long term battery. Like, does the battery get worn out earlier with that technology? Because you know the car is starting and stopping way more frequently than if you were just getting in it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe on some older systems, what, what year or what, like, was that an older car that you saw it on? Uh, when I say no, older, just, I mean like five or 10 years. It was an F-150. So I would say, I don't know. It was, it was at least it, 2015. It could have been. Yeah. It could have been older. Yeah. It, it wasn't brand I, new. It was probably yeah, like they, three or four years old. I think they started putting start stop on F-150s in like the 13 to 15 range. Okay. So let's call it within five or 10 years. They're normally designed in a way that it doesn't reduce or dim the, the lights like that, but I don't know for sure. Also, the systems are changing the longer they're around. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of companies are starting to make something that they're calling mild hybrid. So what okay. it would be is there's two electrical systems on the car. There's the 12 volt system that we're used to, mm-hmm. and then there's a 48 volt system. And so the car will have two batteries and the 48 volt system will have, it'll either like the older systems use the normal starter to start and stop, to start the car after a stop. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the newer ones are doing it a different way. Like for example, the, the Audis have what's called a starter generator and it's basically a huge alternator and that it's just beefed up and that's, now what's working the start stop system with the 48 volt so it's it's a big alternator that one charges the 12 volt system but also charges the 48 volt system and 
uses the the electric from the battery of the 48 volt system to restart the engine. Mm, okay. So the good thing is you're not using your starter and aging your starter quicker. Um, and you're not aging your 12 volt battery faster. Like you, like you mentioned, the downside is 48 volt batteries are super expensive and starter generators are massive and super expensive and heavy. So mm -hmm. like they, they're, it's more, more equipment, more expensive equipment, stuff like that. So it's, it's got a pros and cons. And adding weight and things like that. Yeah. <clears throat> Interesting. Like I know, I just replaced a starter generator on a Q8 this week, uh -huh. and the part alone was over almost three thousand dollars. Oh my god! What used to be the alternator is now this like three thousand dollar part. Wow! You buy? I remember you could buy an alternator for you know my Explorer, and it was like fifty bucks. You could probably, if you like, compressed it, you could probably fit three of those alternators into one of these starter generators. Jeez! Yeah. Where are they located? They um, I'm not exactly sure. I mean, it depends on the car, but it's, yeah. it's roundabout where an alternator would be located. So somewhere on the front of the engine. Okay. Um, but yeah, they're, they're beefy. Interesting. I have to look that up. I'm going to put that on my list of things to Google as well as the interior of that Benz that we were talking about. <laughs> and like, I don't know if you know, it's kind of similar topic. Uh, some manufacturers are starting to go to lithium 12 volt batteries so for, like, like for the primary yeah so like your normal battery that you would think of the 12 volt system that's been around forever yeah uh, some companies are going with lithium versions instead of the the agm or absorbed glass mat or like the uh -huh. lead acid batteries they're replacing those with lithium because it's a lot lighter and more compact the one i'm thinking of is you could get them as an option in a porsche okay so like on a 911 the battery is probably the size of like a cube, like five inches by five inches ish, you know, something uh -huh. like that size. Uh -huh. um, but there you need a special battery tender. So like a lot of guys with, with high end uh, Porsches, they'll like store them over the winter or something like that. You need a specific battery tender and jump starter for an, a lithium battery. Why? Um, because of how it's built? I guess so. I don't know the details of it. I just know that uh, when they started getting them in at some of the Porsche dealers, they had to start getting special jumper, like jump boxes and stuff like that, and battery maintainers to wow. work with the lithium batteries. Do you know how much that option is? I don't know how much the option is. Um, I've seen a 48 volt, or no, I've seen a, I think I've seen a price for one of the Audi versions of that battery. And it was a few thousand dollars for that battery too. Jeez. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And what's like, you know, aside from the size benefit, what else, like, what else does it really do to make it? I think it's mostly money? size and weight. Like you can make it a lot more compact and okay. it's a lot lighter weight. So mm. like a 48 volt battery um, looks a lot like a 12 volt battery, just bigger. And mm -hmm. it probably weighs 75 pounds. Okay. Um, whereas a 12 volt lithium battery, like a, a normal 12 volt car battery is probably 25 or 30 pounds. They vary yeah. based on the size. Let's call it mm -hmm. 30 pounds. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lithium version of that is like 12 pounds. So like when you have like, you know, a Porsche GT3 RS, you know, a 12, 12 pound battery is going to be a nice weight savings. True. Yeah. I get, yeah. Right. Something else interesting that I 
saw this week was have you heard anything about the new Corvette in the future coming out? Yeah, something that doesn't really surprise me, but I heard mm-hmm. that the next one they have planned is a hybrid version. So it's going to have electric motor on the front mm-hmm. and a full electric is planned. And then, of course, the uh, the Zora, it's going to be like the top of the line, like a ZL1. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hearing rumors that that's going to be a hybrid with a twin turbo V8. Wow. Um, I've, cool. also he- I've also heard four digit horsepower mm-hmm. numbers. What? Yeah. The mid-engine Corvette, I think, gives them a lot more options to make it drivable, but mm-hmm. it's allowing them to approach power levels of the Veyron. Wow. You know, because like when yeah. you combine a twin turbo V8 and electric power, like you combine those two, just like the the Porsche 718 or the LaFerrari or the McLaren P1. You know, those were all thousand plus horsepower cars because they combined electric and, and gas. What's the the Corvette now? Like, what what's that pushing horsepower wise? Uh, no. I want to say in the four fifty range. Okay. I like I like the new the newer ones. So I think they look they look more like Ferraris to me than Corvettes. I think they're good looking. They definitely have road presence. Um, they do. <clears throat> you you notice them, and. Yeah. Even if you don't know what they are at first, they look very exotic. And I like it. I also like that they went mid-engine finally because they were starting to get to the point where, you know, 750 horsepower in a ZL1, you know, of the the traditional style, the last generation, that was a lot of power to try to drive drive safely. Right. um, Or even to make use of. And so the mid-engine concept just allows them to do it a little bit better. I'm not even sure what they cost these days. Are they they 100,000 yet? With the markups, yeah. Uh, yeah, they start. I think the base is at eighty thousand okay. dollars. But by the time you add a couple of options that you really want, like like better seats or better suspension, stuff like that, um, yeah. I think the MSRP on anything is at least ninety five. Right. And then most of them have a markup <laughs> currently. Mm-hmm. So, I wonder how long that's going to last for on the markups. It's hard to say. Probably a while. I found this YouTube channel the other day that um, really has me thinking about my road trips coming up so there's this guy on youtube he's an older british guy that has a channel called harry's garage and Uh, he over the last six years he's done like three or four major road trips in like these old exotic cars uh, so he did one in uh testarossa and he went from spain to morocco and like down to like the sand dunes and stuff and Uh had it all covered in dust and it was it was awesome seeing that covered in dust and then he did a a trip all the way across like basically a round trip of spain and an old like 80s porsche 9 uh porsche 911 turbo and he did one through spain and and france or not spain through france and italy in a countach um He's also got one where he road trips a, a Rolls Royce ghost from like the sixties. Um, <clears throat> they're really interesting. Cause he like, he'll stop in these little towns or he'll talk about, you know, various things about the car and stuff like that. It can be a little boring if you like things that have a lot of action to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you, you know, just enjoy looking at a car and, and seeing it being used, you know, 
um, actually on the road and, and driven and things like that. It's, I thought it was interesting. How did you come across that YouTube channel? I have no idea. I think it popped up in my suggestions somehow um, for the, the 9-11 video he did. And then uh, uh, I saw the other videos he's got where he does a Testarossa and the, the Countach and everything. So he's in the process actually of rebuilding the transmission on the Countach right now. So he's got an Instagram page too. I'm going to check that out. Him. Yeah. I did watch the video that you sent me. That's quite a lineup that that guy has. I'd like to, I'd like to get the background on him. He's an interesting kind of guy. I'm not sure exactly what he, how he became to be where he is now. Yeah, yeah. What do you, what are your thoughts on slingshots? Uh, I don't know. I've never driven one. Uh, they're definitely a toy. Yeah. But I think if I was going to spend forty thousand dollars on that or on a toy, I don't know if I would get one of those. I think you just get one to stand out. Yeah. Um, like you cruise around for a half hour and have everybody look at you and stuff like that. But yeah, I think for the money, I would definitely be buying other things. There's something similar to that. that I, lo- I saw there dad. I think it, uh, I, I want to say it was a Morgan and it had like a V twin motorcycle engine on the front. Yeah. And I the Morgan three wheeler. Yeah. Two wheels on the front and one in the back. Right. Yeah. I've that seen looked, one of those cool. I saw it a couple of years ago, actually, in like in like the Malvern area. But yeah, it, it looks like a boat upside mm-hmm. down. Yeah. With true. with a Harley engine strapped to the front of it. And that's yeah. pretty much what it is. Like it's it's made of wood and it's got a Harley engine on it and it seats two people and it's a three wheeler. They're made of wood. Yeah. I had no idea. No, yeah, I Morgans have always wood. been made of wood. Interesting. And they're not cheap either. They're like 50, 60 grand, I think. This thing. Probably. Probably. Any Isaac sightings this past week? There's no way that my that I've seen better cars than you did. <laughs> it's it might be. I don't know if I've really seen anything this week. Uh, I think I mentioned last week that I saw that that blue hurricane again. Okay. Uh, top was on it. And I've already seen him, I think, twice this year. So he's Gotta give it to the guy. He he drives the car. Like good. I probably see him four or five times a month in the car. So, and that's just me passing him. I'm sure he drives it more than that. If I'm seeing him that often, right? Uh, Are those things V10s? Yeah. That's that. The Huracan is now basically a sister car to the R8. Yeah, okay. Is he a Ventador? Is that a V10? Too? Is that twelve? That's twelve. Yeah. And then, so you mentioned a second ago about, um, you know, Harry's garage, had, Harry's garage has you kind of thinking about, you know, your, your, your uh, road trips coming up. What do you mean? Like how, in what ways? Is it um, about that? It's just getting me to think about them a little bit differently. Like what I want the goals to be or how I want to do them. Like, kind of where, what kind of stops I want to do or if I want to stop and like see anything or um, I don't know. It's just gotten me thinking about how can I make a road trip experience for myself that's similar to that. Like mm-hmm. instead of just going out to these great roads and just driving on the great roads, make a little bit more of an experience out of it. Mm-hmm. So it's just gotten my gears turning. Um, I haven't really come up with anything different yet, but I haven't 
had a chance to give it much thought either, but it's gotten me thinking. Make it more of like a an adventure rather than just a drive. Right. How's the Cayman running these days? Pretty good. Um, yeah. I've noticed a noise when I'm turning sharply to the left. Uh, so it sounds like it's power steering related, but I'm not sure what it would be. So mm-hmm. I have to, it's due for inspection and, and a service coming up. So I'm going to check to make sure there aren't any leaks anywhere. Um, we replaced the power steering pump about two years ago. So I don't think it's the pump because it, it's not making noise. But, you know, it could be that there's a small leak somewhere like in the rack or something like that. So the fluid level might mm-hmm. be a little bit low. Like it's not like notchy, like if it's low on fluid. And it's mm-hmm. not like usually when you get like a fad pump or if it's really low in fluid, it'll like, it'll be notchy and it'll have like this wine to it. It doesn't have that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a noise I've not really heard before. So, and it's only happened a couple of times in very specific scenarios. So I'm going to keep an eye on it. Um, so I'll be curious to see if, if I find anything. Is that is the power steering pump on that located on, on the engine as well? Like the yeah. accessories? Yep. Is it hard to get to? I would imagine. It's easy to see. Um, it was. <laughs> it took us probably an hour and a half to get it out, and then two and a half hours to put it back in. Oh my god! Yeah. So did, did you have to go from the bottom? No. So you take off the front cover and the top cover, and you unbolt it on the front and on the back. And you disconnect the lines and then you have to separate the reservoirs on top of the pump. And when it's in the car, there's like some kind of pipe or something blocking you from just pulling it out as an assembly. So you have to separate the reservoir and pump from each other. And then you lift out the reservoir from one direction and you pull the pump out from another direction. And then when you put it back in, you got to do it in reverse. But the hard part is, putting the reservoir back into the pump and getting it like uh, seated properly. That was the hardest part is putting it all back together. Wow. Yeah. Something you probably don't want to do again. Yeah. I think, I think at a dealer, it would probably would have been like a $2,000 job. Mm -hmm. And it was mostly, mostly would have been labor because uh, I think even at Porsche, the parts were probably four or $500. The rest of it was just, doing it yeah i think i think it was like an eight or ten hour job wow that's a lot and and porsche labor rates are more than 200 dollars an hour so oh really yeah they're probably like 215 or so by now but Uh they're at least they're at least 200 dollars an hour it's not cheap depending on what you've done yep what are audi labor rates right now um it depends on i mean every obviously the labor rates depend on the dealer um, everywhere is a little bit different, but, um, is it like a thing where you have, uh, different areas charge different rates, I guess, depending upon the, where the dealership may be. Yeah. Yeah. Like, cause, um, for example, <clears throat> a dealer that's in like LA or Manhattan or mm-hmm. Chicago is going to have a higher rate than a dealer that's in, in Alabama cost of living drive some of it and the cost of, mm-hmm. of, um, hiring people, you know, and just cost of doing business in general affects that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously 
if you're in LA, things cost a lot more than Nebraska somewhere. Right. So that's definitely going to be dependent on like you could have a tech job in, in San Francisco <clears throat> and you're making 200 grand a year. You could have that same tech job. And if you're in like Ohio, it probably pays you 120 a year mm-hmm. because the cost of living is different. Right. It makes sense. And there's more competition out there and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. um, I would say in general, in the Northeast region, uh, labor rates probably run between 175 and 210. Wow. So they're pretty close to force rates. Have you come up with any, um, you know, with, with your trips coming up, any more detailed plans? Or are you still kind of trying to flesh them all out? Did I ask you this last time? Do you have dates yet? I don't. No. So, and that might also depend on, you know, some of the other things I do on the trip too, is, you know, what time of year is it? Um, mm-hmm. so that, that might have an effect on some things. What do you think about the Honda Ridgeline? Which one? The new one? Yeah. Uh, well, I didn't know there was a new one. Yeah, there's, it's on its like third generation or third design style because like four years ago, it was kind of, it looked, like the pilot SUV that was made into a truck and it was kind of like wimpy looking. Mm -hmm. So they redesigned it like a year or two ago and it looks a lot more truck-like. It still looks like it's still, I think it looks as truck-like as it can. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. To to me, it still looks like kind of like a car. Um, But I saw one the other day, it had like an H, an HPD emblem on it. Some right. kind of package had the yeah, gold wheels on it and the yeah. exhaust, which looked pretty cool. Um, so I, that's I gonna be look, like it's gonna be like their that, TRD package almost. Oh, really? Yeah, it's pretty cool. I didn't, um, I don't know if I would personally would want one unless it was super cheap. Um, which I means probably, you don't want one, <laughs> right? Exactly, because if it was super cheap, you'd probably still buy something else, right? Exactly. But uh, it was it was interesting, and it looked kind of cool. Realistically, they are as much truck as most people that buy a truck actually need. You know, Valid. very very few people that buy trucks make full use of them, and so the things that a lot of people buy trucks for, they could probably do most of them things with a Ridgeline or something like that. I can't say very few, but like there's. Less people that tow like a six, eight, ten thousand pound trailer or haul a bunch of stuff in the bed or do serious off-roading. There are less people that do that than people that buy trucks. Makes sense. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm actually curious. I'm gonna look I'm gonna look at these a little bit more. Maybe I'll build one on the site to see what they look like <laughs> on the inside. It looked cool, actually. I wasn't I was impressed. I didn't think I would like that style, but getting excited for events coming up. I know you're not a cars and coffee guy. I don't really have any events coming up. Just our trip next month. We're looking forward to that because we're actually going on vacation. We haven't done that for two years because of like health stuff. Uh-huh. Um, so we're just. Refresh my memory. Where are you guys going? Vermont. And you're you're not taking the Porsche? Though. No, because we're gonna be doing some some dirty stuff and a, just a lot of dri- not a lot of driving, but um, it's just gonna be more conducive to take her car than to take my car. That's fine. Her. her you know, it's not like when I drive her car, I'm driving like a van or, mm-hmm. you know, a big SUV or something. Her car is mm-hmm. still somewhat fun. So 
<laughs> somewhat fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it's more fun than a lot of people drive. Maybe when you uh take that trip you can kind of consider what it would be like, you know, on your own trips as far as you know, adding the adventure part to it. You know what I mean? I don't have anything really going on car wise. I've been my weekends have been so busy, so Yeah, um, I hear I you there. Had, I haven't had the opportunity to do anything, you know, related to cars or my car or whatever. So I'm looking forward to having that possibility come back. I was confused by that picture you sent me of your gauges the other week. I didn't know what you were trying to tell me. Oh, I put it in dynamic mode. Okay. I thought you always drive in dynamic mode. Not all the time. I usually have it in auto. Oh. And then, what do you think? Did you notice any difference? Oh, yeah. I love it. I love dynamic. It's awesome. Okay. But I tried. I try and use it for... Not oh, that's right. You you sent me that picture after you told me about the yeah, RCF. Yeah, yeah, you told yes, me yeah. About the RCF, and then you said you sent me the picture of the gauges in dynamic mode, and then you're like, "Let's see if I can get them or something like that." <laughs> yeah, I was gonna see if he was gonna mess try and mess around, but he didn't. <laughs> he wasn't having any. I wasn't really trying either, but yeah. Um, dynamic mode is awesome. I just try. I like to use like you know regular auto because. When I do put it into dynamic, yeah, it's like a, like a treat kind of, if that makes sense. So I mean, do you do dynamic and sport mode or dynamic and drive? Or do you normally do auto and drive or auto and sport? So I typically do auto and drive. If I'm driving home from work or something or I need to, if I know that I'm going to have to get out into traffic or something like that, then I'll just go in quickly into sport. Because it, it really, it's really way more responsive when it's in sport. There's no adjustment for my suspension that I, in the MMI. Okay. So I don't know. Just, I don't even. It's just steering and exhaust? Yeah. Okay. And, and it's not the valves because I coded the valves to always right. be open. Right. Um, but I know that there's a, like a sound machine or something that puts okay. engine noise into the into the interior. Okay. That that I believe I know a lot of people turn those off. Um, I didn't have it messed with mine. Um, but that's a noticeable difference. The sounds okay. like the engine the engine noise is way more pronounced. Yeah. In dynamic. But the steering, I mean, it's like wait, it's 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 crazy how how much of a difference those settings can make to your driving experience. Right. And I guess it's because the power, the power steering is electric, I think, on that car. Yeah. That's probably how they can do that, right? Because they can vary it, I guess, with the, the computer. Yeah, they just, they just tune in more electrical resistance to, like, it's a, it, it makes the, the weight of the steering heavier. So, like, it it's harder to turn the wheel um, and it's trying to replicate a more sporty type feel. But it doesn't actually do anything to the handling of the car, right? Right. It just right. makes you feel like it is. Yeah. Ah, sneaky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I, and on, so like on my car, I have a sport mode also. And uh, it, the only thing it does is it makes the suspension, suspension stiffer. And it makes the throttle map more aggressive. So like, say in normal mode, you put in like 10 or 20% throttle. In sport mode, it's like 
20 or 25% throttle. Like it's, okay. it, 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 you can actually, like I've seen a graph of the, the throttle mapping before, but it like, it's a steeper ramp that flattens off at the top versus a more progressive ramp um, of, of response. So like- What does that make it feel like, like punchier? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it makes it feel like the car is faster, but it's not really doing much difference. Mm -hmm. um so i drive like when i first got it i drove in sport for a while and then i realized like i'm commuting in this and i'm making the ride harder and it's not as much fun so yeah. <laughs> i actually almost never use the sport mode and the nice thing is i can actually do it separately i can do there, there's a sport button and then there's the 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 pasm button which is uh porsche active suspension management and if I push that button, it only makes the suspension stiffer and more responsive. So like, if anything, I'll do that because I don't care about the throttle response. Mm -hmm. um, so like if I'm on a back road or something that isn't like full of potholes, then I might push the, the PASM button so that it's got the better response from the suspension, but I don't, it doesn't change anything else. Mm -hmm. And the exhaust on that is just regular, right? There's no valves or anything in that car over there. Right. Some cars, I don't know when they started it, but somewhere around 06, 07, they started doing Porsche um, sport exhaust as an option. And mm -hmm. if you have that option, there's also an exhaust button on the dashboard where you can open the valves. Um, and then, of course, you have the button to manually raise and lower the the wing oh yeah otherwise, that's cool yeah otherwise it's just um it's automatic it comes up at 70 and then it drops back down at 20 miles an hour have you felt have you noticed a difference with that with like, the wing it, up it's, it, yeah with, it's for downforce right yeah uh you don't really notice it um it's something you're going to notice more like at higher speed mm -hmm. but not really something you're going to feel on the street mm-hmm it's crazy how you know these high-end cars had you know, this, these technologies you know in 2006 your cars coming out today that you know like the um i'll keep going back to the elantra n because i haven't had a chance to drive one yet that has valve exhaust on it hmm. um and sport mode and all that kind of stuff and it's like a thirty-five thousand dollar car i think now of course obviously the Porsches of the day now have technology way ahead of their time that these cars don't have. I guess they could, right. you could argue for that. Technology marches on like um, now when you get, so my car is equipped with uh, sport chrono, which is the PASM that I was talking about as well as there's like a, a stopwatch on the dashboard, which I could care less about. And it's pretty much useless, but um now, if you get Sport Chrono on some models, it comes with things like its active engine mounts. So if you push Sport, it will stiffen up the engine mounts. Um, Are you serious? Yeah. So it has like electrically controlled hydraulic filled engine mounts. And so when you put it in Sport mode, it stiffens them up. So it's like a solid mount. Like, you know how you used to replace your engine mounts with like hard rubber mounts or solid, you know, mounts or whatever like that to get rid of like wheel hop or just to yeah. you know, do whatever um it has that effect and it can actually change how the chassis feels because the engine basically is hard, hard mounted to 
to the body. Wow. That's then, interesting. You know, they also do stuff like they have adaptive dampers and they have um, rear steering and they have electric sway bars and uh, all kinds of stuff that are you talking specifically to Porsche or for this, for this part of the conversation? Yeah. Um, you were they talking have all about, those things. Yeah. And wow. just in this, just in the sport chrono package. Oh my gosh. Yeah. What does that package cost? It, it depends on the car. I don't really know. Probably like ten or fifteen thousand dollars. Wow, that sounds pretty cool. I never heard of them having motor mounts that you can adjust the stiffness of. Yeah, they started that a few years ago. Then they have variable vane turbos, where like if you look at a turbo fin, mm-hmm. like the vanes in the turbo, the outer like half inch of it is actually on a pivot, and when it's at low speed it'll be like an extension of the the fin inside the turbo. So it's like longer. Mm-hmm. And then if it's at high speed, like high RPM, that fin opens so it can spin faster. So is that like a, it's like a, a centrifugal thing or is that electronically controlled to open those things? I don't know. I think it's probably electronically controlled and like it's probably based on engine load and RPMs and stuff like that. Because like at uh-huh. low RPMs, you're going to want the, basically it's like, the benefit of having a small turbo where it spools up quicker, that's what you're achieving by having the longer veins. And then you want a big turbo for high RPMs, so it flows more air. And so you open up those veins and shorten them so that the turbo can spin faster. So you reduce your lag, but you also increase the, the RPM it can do. So it's like, you know, it's kind of the best of both worlds. Is that pretty new technology? Um, probably 10 years old. Yeah, yeah. Because didn't some cars, <clears throat> you know, utilize um, like sequential turbocharging for that for that reason, having a smaller turbo and then a bigger turbo? Yeah, in the '90s they were they were trying that, um, but those systems were so complicated that they tended to not like a lot of manufacturers didn't stick with them for very long because it was to have two turbos that are doing different things is is really complex as far as routing. Uh, air or tuning for like fuel and stuff like that and throttle yeah. mapping um, it just became very complex to do and and keep reliable but this but this one pretty much does that though effectively yes i have i have a lot of stuff to research this week i have to, re- I have to research sport chronos package i have to look up the interior of that fence <laughs> that we talked about I have another one for you. You could look up too. What's on that? The newer Chevy 2.7 liter truck engines, the 2.7 liter turbo. Uh huh. They have a new style of turbo that I haven't seen before. Some companies have been using a twin scroll turbo, which okay. is basically if you picture a turbo and it's like a snail, it has two at going at the same time. Like it's it's two. Oh wow! I think if you take two tubes and spit twist them around each other um yeah they're like that so like you have two paths for the air to take around the turbine uh-huh. this one the chevy 2.7 liter does something different it has a turbo inlet with two holes in it and it um i think they're either different sizes or different lengths or something but i forget what they what they call the technology but it 
it's a different way to achieve what we were talking about earlier, where they can have high RPM and low RPM benefits mm-hmm. in the same turbo. Interesting. <clears throat> I thought the way you're describing a regular turbo, I, I, the way you're describing it, I thought that you were saying that there was two turbos on basically one like that. Okay. So I, I was I misunderstood the beginning of it. Hmm. I'll check it out though. Because when I, when I, when you say twin scroll, I think of a supercharger. Because that's generally how the superchargers go. Right. You know yeah, I mean? that's it's totally different. I had to look it up because it's bugging me now. How did you hear about this? I don't remember. Uh-huh. But it's I mean they came out with this this engine like maybe two years ago now. Um it's a gas engine, right? It's not the diesel. Yeah, it's a gas engine. Uh has in the Silverado, it's got 310 horsepower. <clears throat> um they call it a a dual volute turbocharger dual, housing. Dual volute? Yeah, V-O-L-U-T-E. It's for improved throttle response and low speed torque. Um but there's there's some videos on it and uh-huh. you'll you'll find it if you look for it. I I don't remember the first video I saw, but it was a really good explanation video on it was you know what? It was probably on Jason Pinsky's page. Yeah, I, I love his stuff. It's, it really makes it easy to understand some of these complicated things. Yeah, so I'll definitely check that out and report back next week along with um, the other things that we Yeah, discussed. so uh, he does have a video. That's where I saw it. And okay. he does a great job of explaining it. Oh. Um, it's act, It actually, I guess they launched it with Cadillac first, but if you look up, either go to his page or type in Chevy 2.7 Turbo Engineering Explained, but Go to Engineering Explained and search for the Cadillac. Oh, it's only a four-cylinder. Did I say six-cylinder? I don't. I don't know. I think I did, but it's on their four-cylinder. But yeah, it's called a dual volute, V-O-L-U-T-E, and it's basically two snails that are in parallel to each other. And I think he actually in that video complain or compares it to a a twin scroll, so you can see the difference. Okay. But I was okay. So I was actually I had it backwards. A twin scroll is where the two pipes go in at the same place. So it's it's like split, mm-hmm. and then the dual volute is what I was explaining earlier, where the inlet the air hits the the impeller at basically opposite sides of the impeller. So say uh, twelve o'clock and six o'clock, mm-hmm. and so you basically have two punches of air hitting it at the same time. In opposite directions so it spins faster hmm. makes sense i get it i hear like science. if you think of you know like a pinwheel yeah and you you blow on a pinwheel and it spins mm-hmm. imagine someone standing face to face with you blowing on the bottom of the pinwheel and you're blowing on the top of the pinwheel mm-hmm. and together you make the pinwheel spin faster on the same side though or is that as the air being blown onto it on the same side or different sides? Well, it's on the same side, but upside down. Gotcha. Okay. Because like what the, if you're blowing on the top, as it spins around and goes in front of the other person, they're blowing on it the same way, but in the opposite direction because they're facing you. Gotcha. Just watch the video. He's, yeah. he's, good, he's good at explaining stuff better than I can. He's got, Just watch it. He's got like animations and stuff, so it'll make a lot okay. more sense. But yeah, that's... That's a cool technology that um, is pretty innovative, I think. 
Yeah, definitely. I'm excited to check that out. Oh, and Harry's Garage. I'll check that out as well. You know, it's <laughs> been almost an hour already. Jeez, is it, oh, I didn't even look at the clock. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have anything else in your mind this week? I feel like you touched on... Everything that I was thinking about. I'm excited to do some more car stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to discuss maybe soon about not maintenance as far as uh, mechanical, but um, like interior maintenance. Like how frequently should somebody like clean your leather, but not clean it, like treat it. Okay. You know, it's like you're really supposed to you know, clean it and then um, you know, rub serum on it to kind of, so it doesn't get all cracked up and things like that. Mm-hmm. So it's that kind of stuff because I feel like this is the time you know it's getting nicer out. You want to keep every, you know you, you want to keep everything in good shape and um, right. all that good stuff. So that's that's on my mind, but we can probably delve into that next week. Okay. How about well, you? Anything you're thinking of? I'm just ready for warm weather to stay and. Oh my um, God, I know. Looking forward to having some more weekends free. I've also been pretty busy on weekends recently, so. Um, you know, I work this weekend and after that, I'm just looking forward to getting the cars cleaned. I still haven't washed them. I don't know if I've washed them since sometime this winter. It's been a long time. So they're all really dirty. Um, so I want to get those cleaned. I want to get the, I want to get her car cleaned before our trip, uh, get all, all the dog hair and, um, get a good wash and stuff like that. So. I've definitely got some some things on my to-do list over the next few weekends. Yeah, for sure. We're going to call it a night. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, you can reach us again, as always, by email at windingroadspodcast at gmail.com. Or if you're on the Instagram, you can follow us there, Winding Roads Podcast. Uh, follow us. And, you know, we always ask for questions every week. Be used on the podcast. We can ask whatever is on your mind. You can send it to us and we'll see if we can answer it or see if you stump us. Um, until then we look forward to hearing from you and as always your feedback is always appreciated and we'd love it if you could rate us and review us on your podcast app of choice until next time enjoy the drive